Hello, and welcome to Your Story Matters podcast. My name is Michaela Elizabeth, and I'm very excited that you're here. I am an Enneagram coach, avid crafter, bookstore wanderer, tea lover, and cake enthusiast. My hope for this podcast is that we will experience the power of storytelling and understand that we are the main characters in our own stories in order to break free from the false narrative that's been playing in our minds. I'll share from my life and I'll chat with friends about theirs on a variety of topics like relationships, Negram, seasons of life, and more. Your story matters, my story matters, and I'll continue to tell both. Today's guest on the podcast is my new friend, Kara Rasmussen. She is a certified Enneagram coach with a background in social work. Kara spent the first 12 years of her life as an MK, missionary kid, in Africa until her family moved to Minnesota, a place she still calls home, now with her husband of 20 years and their three teenage children. Kara is passionate about creating safe spaces for people to explore who they are, and she loves to share how the Enneagram can help us grow personally, relationally, and spiritually. I think you will really enjoy this conversation with Kara, who is such a sweet, sweet friend. Cannot wait to bring this to you. Hello, everyone. Happy whatever day you're listening to this on. Um, I am so excited to bring to you today my new friend, Kara, from Minnesota. Um, she is a wonderful type six, and we are just going to talk about all things type six, all things Enneagram, and then whatever else we end up talking about, which will be fabulous, and I cannot wait. So, Kara, welcome to Your Story Matters podcast. Thank you for being here. Thanks, Michaela. Thanks for having me. I am super excited. Let's go ahead and kick this off. Um, tell us a little bit about you, your story, and that journey into finding the Enneagram. Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, so, I'll, yeah, I have, um, well, I'm a currently an Enneagram coach. Um, so that's, I'll start there, but if you go, I'll kind of go all the way back. So I was actually born overseas as a missionary kid um, and lived in Congo, Africa until I was 11. Um, my parents had been on the mission field for quite a while at that point. So they were moving back and we settled in Minnesota. So I started um, sixth grade going from, you know, Africa, boarding school, different experiences there. So all those formative years are really, when I think about, you know, those early memories, that's what my early memories were. Um, so switched huge culture shock, like kind of the reverse. When we moved to Minnesota, I'd never seen snow, uh, never been in the cold. So we moved here and then I continued um, my schooling and went to college then after high school for social work. Um, I knew pretty early on, once I knew what a social worker was, I was like, I think I want to be that. I knew it's like helping, you know, and as much as you can know in that age. Um, so I went to Bethel College, which is a local um, school in this area of the country and yeah, majored in social work. Um, so always have loved, you know, personality, minored in, in psychology, loved just people and stories. Those were all pieces of my life that I saw. So after college, um, got married and just life took us on a different path than I necessarily thought is usually how it goes. So we had three kids pretty quickly and ended up staying home for a lot of years, raising my kids. So now I'm a mom of an 18 year old who's graduating high school. 15 year old who's a sophomore and an eighth grader. So yeah, um, I got into the Enneagram. Let's see 
probably like five years ago, I started just kind of, well, I'd kind of heard of it, you know, like a lot of us do. And I kind of had dabbled with it a tiny bit at the time, but then right in like 2019, 18, 19, um, there was just that season of life. Like I was going to be turning 40 pretty soon. And there was stuff going on in, you know, my husband's extended family that we were just trying to figure stuff out. The kids were getting older. Um, and so I was like, I need to figure out me. Um, and I was also trying to go back to work at that point, trying to figure out I had done part-time jobs. So it's just, I started using the Enneagram as like my own personal tool for understanding who I was, um, not thinking it would turn into be becoming a coach at the time, just thinking, who am I? So at the time I discovered the Enneagram, I, um, typed as a six or excuse me. No, I'm a six now. I typed as a two. Um, And I lived with that for actually quite a while. Like there was a lot of things about it that made sense. So, you know, I just, I had read a lot about it and I was like, I think that makes, you know, you can kind of with a lot of things and as a six, I can do a lot of, it depends. So I saw myself as a two in a lot of different capacities. And then during when COVID hit, I had extended time um, to really dive deep. So I took some courses and I was meeting, I met with an Enneagram coach um, right at the start. And she was listening to me very graciously and was like, have you ever considered the type six? And I thought, well, I read about it, but it was like actually the number that I had done the least reading. And I think it probably was, there was something to that. So at first there was just that instant that cannot be me. I'm, I viewed myself in the feelings triad. So that felt like that made sense to me, but I went back and just did a lot more reflective work about, okay, what is it? What are those core motivations? Um, And really trying to like parse out, you know, the safety and security piece of the six versus the love and being wanted and appreciated as the two. And so that was hard for me because I, what I realized is that as a six, I, when I feel love, I feel safe and secure. And that's mm. what love feels like. Um, so there's a few like light bulb moments. So in the process of like figuring it out, I was praying with the girls before bed one night, which I always did or do, especially when they were younger. And I was like, dear Lord, da, 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 pray for them. And then I said, I pray that they feel safe and secure. And I was like, I have been, it like hit me like a light bulb. I'm like, I have literally been praying that prayer for my girls since they were babies. And at this point, oh, wow. I mean, they were like preteens and it just, it's funny how that language, I never really thought about it, that it was like what I, my desire as a six to feel that safe and security, just like that feeling of safe of safety. And, but that's what I wanted for them. Not so much like physical safety, but just that, like that feeling of like you, you're safe, you're seen. So that was a huge light bulb moment for me. And then, like I said, just kind of working with a coach um, and just figuring out more pieces to that. A big part of my understanding this the six and under helping me to see it was through subtypes and realizing I'm a self-preservation six. So one of the words for that subtype is warmth. And so the idea of like presenting with friendliness and warmth and desiring to have friends and alliances, like it all really made sense, but it can also look like a two at times. Absolutely. Oh my gosh. So many good things. I will go back to the very beginning and say, I'm so sorry that you now are living in a climate filled with snow. Um, (laughs) I I apologize. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Oh my gosh. Um, That is just beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. It is wonderful to hear 
where people start their origins and being born not on this continent let alone this country how how beautiful of a, of a story and um, I thank you to your parents for all of the work that they have done and dedicated their lives to just absolutely beautiful so coming into your own through college and getting married and kind of living as a two and going to a six how did you feel about the six really being the one that identified with you and then was the two type or the type two-ness of not necessarily letting go of the people pleasing, but almost reframing it in a way that, as you said, was more love and the form of safety and security, as opposed to that need and that want from other people to see and desire in a way that a type two does. So how did you feel? Even though you're in the head triad, we'll get to that. How did you feel? Right. About it? right. <laughs> yes. I think um, initially I felt I think like a lot of people do when I really sat with it, like, oh, that is the, the one number I don't want to be. Like I saw every other number and I was looking at the strengths of those numbers and the things that they brought. And in the six, all I saw was the negative at first. And I could not wrap my mind around, you know, the fact that, of course, I knew intellectually <laughs> there was goodness to the type. But yeah, it was absolutely, I think like a lot of people say that just sense of feeling really exposed and vulnerable and knowing anxiety has been a part of my story since I was very young. But it, it's so complicated because twos have anxiety, all numbers have anxiety. Um, and so trying to figure out what that fear was, was difficult. But that was another thing actually that helped me when I was discerning the two and the six the, the pride piece, you know, I could kind of find ways to make sense of it, but it never really fits. It was like, well, yeah, maybe there's these moments. Whereas with the weakness of the six being more of that fear and anxiety, like I was like, that is something that has been a part of my life since I can remember. I remember being a little girl at boarding school. And of course, much of my childhood was really beautiful, but like most of us, like there's a tension, right? Like it's not all beautiful. And going to boarding school as a little six was really traumatic for me, as you can imagine, just like that sense of the safe people in your life are no, no longer there. And so I think that those were all the things as I started looking at the past and kind of making sense of it, it was like, yes, that theme of anxiety was there. The theme of wanting to have safe people in my life was more, it just, it, it definitely was more six than two. And I think um, being raised in a Christian home, like I think, you know, there is that, I have heard this to be true, that there is a lot of Christian women that will type as a two to begin with. And so I think there was those pieces of my story too, that I had to kind of understand that some of the behaviors that I have are two, but the motivation really is of the six. That's so good. Yeah. That is so good. I typed as a two as well my first time around. And then I realized, well, it's in my path, so I can't get rid of it. <laughs> yes. I think That's it's okay. a common, yeah, That's... a common mistype for yeah. Everyone, everyone goes to two before they figure out. Two is just the vehicle to Absolutely. find Absolutely. <laughs> the type you're, you're meant to be. Right. That's so good. So I want to go back to anxiety and fear and safety and security. And can you draw a picture for us of what that looks like? Is it the people? Is it places, whether it's like home or work that feels safe, mm -hmm. um, situations, how does that, what does that look like for you? Yeah, for me, so it's a little bit complicated in my mind sometimes, or it was, I should say, because after my second child, she's 15 now, but I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety. 
Um, and at the time, after my first, after my son was 18, I would have called, but I was experiencing postpartum depression just because there wasn't a lot of information, even at that point, talking about postpartum anxiety. So a lot of people, you might have anxiety like symptoms, but it was really like, oh, you have postpartum depression. So when Ava came along, my second, I knew that I had, you know, a little bit of that from my first, but it was a lot more serious with her. So it complicated it for me because there was this part of me that's like, I have this generalized anxiety disorder diagnosis that has been something I've worked through now for 15 years, as well as, you know, my Enneagram type being something where anxiety is that core weakness and trying to figure out where, how is that, how is that connected and how are they somewhat different? But in terms of like, when I think about safety and security for me, when I'm not struggling, when I'm just in my healthy when I say healthy, meaning like I'm not in the place with the the generalized anxiety being in a place where that part is not feeling as in control. When I'm just my normal, you know, relatively healthy place, safety and security for me looks like the people in my life. It looks like being around my husband and my family and my friends. And so I know the weakness of that is that I can overly rely sometimes on my husband or friends to um, want to provide that security for me. And I struggle with the sense of, with the self-doubt that sixes will have or the ability to just say, how to make a decision. Like even today, there was something that came up and my husband was working from home. I was in my office and it was something related to the Enneagram business. So nothing that he needed to give me input on, but I just went over there and I was like, what do you think of this? Should I do this? Should I do that? <laughs> and he's like, yeah. I don't need to answer this for you. You have every mm. to make this decision. And it's great because we have the language now, but for sure. I mean, yes, I'm not a risk taker. So I resonate with just like the phobic side of, I mean, I'm not a risk taker in terms of not going to be the first to bungee jump or things like that, but it's really more about like a sense of safety and security for me. Um, I like to create safe spaces for others. That's really important for me. I like to have people in the home or have even just for my kids, like the sense of safety, what is, what feels, that's what feels what security looks like versus like more of the tangible things that you might think of if that answers your question a little bit. That does. That's so beautiful. Thank you for that. There is such a thing that, yeah, that's so good of people being a uh, security and a safe place for you. Cause I can look back in my life and find those people that I do feel very safe with. I can go to them with anything for anything. And then I feel inevitably those people that are not going to harm me, but I don't feel as secure around them as, um, people who kind of really get me, know me, family, friends, whatever. So that's really good. That's a really good picture of, it might not necessarily be a roof and four walls though very much so, but it really is about the people and that connection. And that's a really, really beautiful thing. So how did you find your first life's calling, I guess we can say, in social work? What led you to doing that, knowing your sixness of creating safety and security in a world that for a lot of people, kids especially, and adults, is not very safe. So can you talk about that a little bit? Sure, I'd love to. Yes, I have always been, since a little girl, I remember kind of being that champion of the underdog. And, um, you know, I remember being really small and not wanting to read stories that were, you know, like 
Dumbo where he was made fun of or any like just silly. Now I can look back and see silly things or Charlotte's Web where it was like anything sad I kind of avoided, which I see that also being kind of that seven wing for me. I have a strong seven wing, but, but yes, I, I, it was interesting. I mean, I, like I said, as soon as I learned what social work was, you know, in kind of junior high, high school, I started doing some like, what are careers? What are jobs? What are things? And I didn't, and I landed on social work. And of course, like in the super simplistic version of a 12, 13, 14 year old, I was like, I want to help people. (laughs) There wasn't much beyond that, which sounds actually kind of too like, but the motivation really was like, I want people to have their needs met. I want people to feel seen. I want people to feel loved. Again, it was like kind of like that creating that space in college. I went to India for a summer and just that experience alone, I was seeing social work in a different cross-cultural experience. And it just, again, it just kind of solidified. This is, this is that calling that I have on my life. Like I want, I want to be, I want to defend the underdogs of the world, if you will. I want to give people a chance and I want everybody to have a sense of safety and security and to have needs met and seeing like the injustices. I definitely see how the sense of justice coming probably from my nine type, but just even as a six is really strong of like, I want the world to be a just place. I want people to have um, equal opportunities. So yeah, it all, I can look back and see how as a, without knowing at the time when I was making those decisions, I can see how my own experience of, um, and just even some of the painful things of my past, how that kind of all shaped me into wanting to be that person for others that could provide that place as best as I knew how at that age when I was making that decision. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. That's so beautiful. What is it like being a mom to three children and also being an Enneagram six? How is parenting <laughs> in the head triad with the anxiety? How is that for you? Mm-hmm. Yes, that is a great question. It is, as you might expect, has its challenges, of course. I mean, my brain is always going. I think the balance for myself, partially being self-pressed, partially having that seven wing, I don't present with a lot of the negativity. I don't present. Mm. I usually have kind of what I present to others and even my kids is an optimistic perspective. So I live with a lot of this inner tension of like inside, I'm thinking, oh my word, worst case scenario thinking, but what I want to present to my children um, or what I try to project, whether it's good or bad, it's somehow, I mean, I don't think it's always even the right to try to not, not project what's inside, but so there's that piece of just kind of tension, but yes, I mean that I relate so much to words like the inner committee or just hamster wheel thinking. I think one of the pieces, again, that was really hard for me to understand myself as a six is because I thought I don't see myself as like a thinker. I don't see myself as a head type person. And so understanding the pieces of like that six, just the, the dutiful stance of the two sixes and ones being more in that place where we're a little bit more like thinking repressed. So although I have a lot of things going on in my brain, it's not always logical thinking. And so I rely a lot on my husband, who's a one. So we're we're in that same kind of dutiful, but just as a one, I think he's got a little bit more of a linear way of thinking. So I, I do have a lot of worries about the kids, but at this point, you know, I think 
I have learned a lot over the years, of course. I mean, I, when I think about myself as a young mom, when they were tiny versus now, it's been a process of like, okay, but for sure, it's something I will always, always, always deal with is the, is that worry anxiety piece that is just kind of part of being a six. <laughs> it is always there. Yeah. And that's good that you mentioned the ones, twos, and sixes being in the repressed thinking group. Because sometimes when you're in those triads, it's very evident you are a gut person, you are a heart person, you are a head person. But there are so many times in both the, the other two triads and just in subtypes and other things, um, a lot of it is repressed. So we're, we're kind of having to learn, hey, we already think this way, feel this way act like this but now we have to kind of do reverse psychology and we have to relearn what we're so used to doing yeah. and so you're like I don't I don't think but yes. we'll wait then we spend that time yeah. go that extra layer yeah. and really realize that yes it has been in our lives always how bright is the light versus if it's on a dimmer and we kind of have to then adjust going forward and it's so interesting that your husband is a one so you come from the camp of having an inner committee mm -hmm. he comes from the camp of having one inner critic <laughs> how is that like <laughs> oh it's a wild ride sometimes yes <laughs> um and similarly to me when he took first um I got it you know got him excited about it of course well I don't know initially he wasn't excited but um he thought he was a five so that five one I mean he's an introvert so of course that plays into as a one being an introvert, there's things about that that look a bit like a five. So yeah, I would say um, for sure without having, I, we, we both laugh now because we think, oh goodness, if we had known the Enneagram when we got married, when we were 22, 20 years ago, how much it would have saved us from conflict and things like that, because you're right. I mean, it's just my need for safety and security. And then his inner critic voice can really work in conflict at times. And so there's for sure moments, especially in our early years of marriage, where I think without being able to voice what I needed was like, I need safety and security. And when I would be critical, I didn't see myself as being critical, but of course he now is a one, I can understand how any sort of criticism to him was like, he already felt it. He already knew it. And it was just like pouring salt on a wound. And so then he would get frustrated. So we had that kind of like just missing it with a lot of those early years of communication of just trying to figure out. Yeah. Like a lot of, I mean, it's common, and, but yes, I think the Enneagram has been so illuminating to just making sense to the things that tripped us up in those early years and just having compassion now for one another to know what we're experiencing um, and framing it in the lens of him being a one, me being a six, it takes a little bit of the personalness out of it, right? Like when you know, this is his inner committee that's, or his, excuse me, his inner critic, that's this harsh, harsh voice. And I can, how I can, you know, if I do need to say things, which of course you have to in a marriage, there's give and take, but how do I couch it in a way that is understanding of how he's going to receive it with the inner critic? probably already telling him he failed in this area. Mm, that's so good. Yeah. I love what you said about being compassionate toward ourselves and our spouses because it is a give and take. It is a compromise and 99.999% is miscommunication. Maybe not, maybe not close to hundred, but it's real, real close depending on the day and, and what's going on and just having the understanding for where the other person's coming from. How can we direct language to make them feel seen and understood 
Um, and also to give them grace because we're all humans in this. That doesn't change <laughs> from marriage day to, to onwards. That's so good. I want to go back and ask about your inner committee. What does it look like to you? What are the voices? Mm-hmm. I've interviewed a type one and a type six before. And I've asked this question. It's like, this is the most yeah, fabulous, what a good fabulous thing to learn. Good, good. I've asked what, what does the voice sound like? Is it male or female? Mm. Is it you or is it other people in your life mm-hmm. talking to you mm-hmm. or kind of that multiple versions of you in a very safe mental space? Right. Um, not, not Kara's not crazy. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, but how does that, how does that look to mm-hmm. you? One time I made the mistake of saying, I have these voices, you know, <laughs> all chiming in. <laughs> I was trying to explain to somebody who didn't really know the Enneagram and she's looking at me. I'm like, okay, let me back this train up a little bit. <laughs> I was like, I'm not hearing like audible voices. Yes. I would say I don't, I definitely don't like hear male, female. It's just for me. It's just the chiming in. It's just the mental clutter, I guess, of Mm. um, what I think expectations of other people might be, or what I think I should Mm. do, or what, um, what if this happens, it's just, it's, it's just a lot of scenarios and lots of uh, different opposing, well, what if this, or maybe I should consider that. Or um, I think even just being in the dutiful triad, there's a sense of like, well, what are other people expecting of me and how do I make a decision or act in a way that'll appease them? So it's just, yeah, the best word I can describe it is it's just kind of mental. It's mental clutter it's mental chatter it's you know funny examples like going to the shoe store and and I'm like the most indecisive person which again kind of fits with the six <laughs> like I I love to shop that we have a grocery store called Alti it's just maybe it's around I don't know I know it's around some places but it only has very limited like you don't have name brands. It's just like, if you want black beans, it's black beans. And I was like, I love this store. I love having the questions taken out for me. So when I went shoe shopping, a massive amount of decisions, right? Like looking for tennis shoes, running shoes. I was like, all these options. I couldn't, I was just like, I don't know. I don't know. Just thinking, thinking, thinking. And I ended up just like leaving. And I literally felt the anxiety just like, I mean, I was getting, you know, even just like that, like worked up, like, I don't know what to do. And then I come home and, you know, it's just, it's funny to look back. I'm like, what in the world? Like it's shoes. It doesn't matter. But just those examples uh, where it really clouds your ability to make like even somewhat of a logical decision in those moments where it can, the, yeah. your committee can just kind of, and sometimes it's not like that. I mean, there's absolute times as a six where you do have like total mental clarity or when, you know, the rubber meets the road, you're like, I have to make this decision and I do know it, but Absolutely. And then how interesting to have that contention with the nine in your path as well of them also not being the best decision makers because yes. they do want to please and have peace in their life. For sure. And then you have the anxiety in your life and then you go to the three as well. And we want to achieve. Let's totally. let's do it. We got to go, go, go. So yeah, I really like that mental clutter. That's very helpful. And I think that has solidified the six mm-hmm. in my tri-type of just it depends. We see all the options and we kind of, yeah, in this scenario, I can definitely see this working out in that scenario. That definitely is not happening in any way, shape or form, no matter how you stretch it. Um, And that is very helpful because we do all of us, as you said at the beginning, we all have anxiety, no matter if we know our Enneagram types or not. And sixes just have the, 
the, the, the gift and, and curse of living with it all the time, much more than we all do. So thank you. I know it's, it's hard. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it is so hard. Right. Right. I mean, I think we all feel that when we talk about ourselves, it's like, there is that vulnerability of just like, especially because, <clears throat> I mean, there's beautiful parts of each of our personalities, but it's these raw kind of even silly examples where, um, yeah, it's just vulnerable to share and know you want people to perceive you well and whatnot. But I do agree what I was saying, thinking about the nine, I absolutely see that showing up, um, in those, in that decision, just going to the type nine and the three as well. Yeah. Yeah. We're all over, all over. All yeah. of our and I think two is my, I think nine to six is my tri-type. So I could see how that's two still is a piece of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's good. See, that's the thing that when we, when we latch on to other numbers, it might not always be our core, mm-hmm. um, our core, our main type. dominant yeah. main type. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you. I was like, words just left me. Um, but it is, it is a thing to note that for the numbers that really stick with us, they're either in our paths or they are in our tri-type. So we kind of don't leave them. It's just, we learn the varying degree to which we use them, which is so helpful because mm-hmm. now you, you go into the world knowing that, yeah, the two makes sense. It's what I've been doing. But as you said, it's the motivations of the six mm-hmm. that drive what I do with the ultimate goal of safety and security and helping people. So I absolutely love that. Ah, how wonderful. Yeah. I love it so much. Yeah. What would be your encouragement for people who are newer to the Enneagram, starting their journey into discovering more about themselves because it's time they do so, they're really curious and they want to kind of jump on it. What's your encouragement for them? I would say stick with it. Um, And I would say be willing to kind of ride the waves of like, you may take an assessment. It may be your number. It may not. So kind of hold, you know, kind of a pre- come to the Enneagram with a little bit of a posture of like two hands open of learning and stick with it when it feels like you want to kind of turn away because there is going to be pieces of it. What makes it so unique is that that is trying to tap into those inner motivations and our inner core fears and weaknesses. And so, especially for certain numbers, you're going to be less likely to want to look at that. Um, but if you can just kind of press forward, I think the reward is so amazing. It's going to give you clarity to kind of understanding and making sense. That's what it really did for me. I can look back and see why did experience impact me a certain way? And why did I, you know, just, it kind of, it was like kind of the key. So it gave me clarity of the past and the present of just like, this is why I do the things that I do based on my motivations. And as I look at the future, it gives me that, that clarity too. So, and just have compassion with yourself in the journey, because it for some, you're going to discover your number right away. Others, it can take months and years. So I think for me, I think the reason I loved, um, going back, I think actually what really helped me is that I didn't know my number right away because I kept learning and I kept digging in and I kept thinking like, ah, this doesn't quite fit. So yes, I would say stick with it. Give yourself a ton of self-compassion in the process and just be ready for the ride. It'll take you on. I think, I don't know many people that have done the work of really diving into the Enneagram, but have not seen the rewards in their life, whether it's relationships uh, with others, whether it's just understanding and having compassion with themselves. And so, yeah, it's a awesome tool. I encourage it to any of your listeners for sure. 
piggybacking off of that, what is your advice to those who are figuring out that they're a six or they are in relationship with a six? What's your advice for the sixes in our lives and how can we love them better? Yes. What a good question as well. I think, um, you know, it's hard for the six. It's one of those numbers. that's the hardest to kind of summarize just because of each um, subtype looks so different. So I speak from the self-preservation six, um, just from my, just as a, on a personal note that I think having people in my life that are checking in with me, that are allowing me to give voice to some of my fears and worries without feeling the need to fix it or think that, oh my goodness, she must think the world is completely like falling apart. Sometimes it's just getting it out for me. Um, so just holding that space for the people in your life can be, cause that, I think that's what creates safety and security when you, when you can speak and somebody hears you and affirms you and doesn't tell you you're crazy. And it's just like, listens, you feel known and seen for me, that feels, that's what safety and security is. So that would be my advice. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that. And we can help our our sixes in life feel that safety and security as well by being in relationship with them. And I love that as we close here, but I don't want our time to end. I'm having so much fun. Um, Let's just keep going. Let's just keep going. Um, What are you reading right now? What is a book or two fiction, nonfiction that you have read that has either completely changed your life or not? what's kind of gotten you? Yeah. Um, I wouldn't call myself a huge reader. I like to read. I'm not like a, Oh, I have to have books at all times, but, um, I have read several books recently. I read, um, try softer a couple was that year. I think whenever it came out it's by Andy, Andy Colber. Um, and that was just a lovely, lovely book. It just, I think as a person who deals with anxiety at times, there was just some really, um, just clear and helpful pieces to that. Um, I just listened to last week, I listened to the autobiography or the uh, Beth Moore that came out and that was super, Mm. I really enjoyed it. Um, It's not a person I actually knew a whole lot about, but I just love listening to stories. So I just, that comes to mind because that was probably the most recent. Um, I just listened, read the book by Shanna Nyquist. Yes, it was a lovely book as well but I am just completely forgetting the name. And then I'm always listening and reading Enneagram books. Like there is not, I just love them all. I love all the podcasts. I love the books. I I'm down for it. I just never get bored of Enneagram. Oh my gosh. No. And just when you think you have learned something, it's like you go back to a book you've already read. I do not want to make this comparison, but I'm going to kind of is similar but very very distant to like the bible always reading you mm-hmm. um and I say that very loosely yeah. but it's as close as to a comparison as I can get of reading the same thing about my type four or reading the same thing about a type of a friend or even my husband and it's like <gasps> it's like you thought you knew yes. and then you've learned some things you've done some life you come back to it with the same book or even different books because there's so much good stuff out there no matter what kind of topic you want to dive into um general overviews whatever yes. Um, and so it's really very enlightening and yeah, that's right. We'll just, uh, keep buying them all. I and know. Them all yeah. I think as a coach now I'm reading it now a little bit less from my own perspective of figuring myself out. Although that's always a journey. Like you'll never not find me on that journey of discovering myself, but I love to now, um, read the books and listen just with the lens of the people in my life that I'm either coaching or friends or family to what you said. It's just, 
yeah, it's good stuff. That is so good. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. Oh my goodness. Well, Kara, thank you so much for today. This was wonderful. I, I love these conversations because I learned so much about other types that I don't see the world how they see it. And it's beautiful to add more colors to the painting. Um, so thank you for sharing everything today. I appreciate yes. it. Well, thank you for having me. This was fun. I agree. We could probably keep talking another hour. <laughs> and we yeah. will at some point. We will do it <laughs> all Absolutely. again and we will keep going. Yes. Well, thank you. It was my pleasure. And I really enjoyed the time with you. Thank you for listening. It would mean the world if you would follow this podcast, rate it, and review it for others to see so they can begin their own journey and understanding that their story matters. Did you know I'm also an Enneagram coach? To learn more about how it can have a lasting impact on your story, head on over to my website, MichaelaElizabeth.com, or send me a message. I cannot wait to connect with you.